Welcome to the Smeichel Speaks podcast channel. I'm Joanne Smeichel, and I'm delighted that you tuned in for relevant leadership learning that will help you continue to soar. Enjoy this episode. One of the best things about the pandemic has been going to pajama church. Now, don't be going on the internet looking for pajama church. What I mean is that on Sunday mornings, I don't get out of my pajamas. I just turn on my computer and go to church. And I have loved going to service at St. Andrew's AME Church in Andrews, South Carolina. It is not a mega church, but they pack a heavy punch with mighty messages. Reverend Virgil Hammett always inspires me to do more and to do better. He preached a sermon last week titled, You Are Authorized. I wouldn't do the message any justice if I tried to recap it here. I don't have Reverend Hammett's calling. But I do want to tie our authorization to my belief that we're in a time when people have to either stand up and be counted as allies and advancers of justice and peace or admit that their silence is complicity in further inequity. Silence in homes, in workplaces, in communities. It's all complicity. Because we are peace-loving people, we are authorized, as Reverend Hammett says. This podcast addresses three things, our reason, our right, and our responsibility to create inclusion in our homes, our workplaces, our houses of worship, our communities, and ultimately our world. My goal is not to pontificate. Rather, it's to move into the realm of thought that guides you to action because we are all authorized to work for peace and justice. I want to concisely capture the points of this podcast again. The first point is we, who are peace-loving people, have a reason to actively create inclusion. The second is that we, who are peace-loving people, have a right to create inclusion. The third is that we, who are peace-loving people, have a responsibility to create inclusion. We're going to take each of those and move them beyond alliteration to action. Beginning with the reason, it would seem that that need not be spoken. In my mind, the reason is so that we can build bridges in our country and in our world so that we can create and foster mutual respect for different perspectives, experience, habits of mind, and habits of being. The reason is also so that we can create a nation where the rhetoric of liberty and justice for all really means for all. Now, your reason may be very different from mine. 
Maybe you've read about the plight of Native Americans on reservations. Maybe you've learned that while 15% of Arizonans live in poverty, 35% of the state's Native American population live in poverty. Maybe that's your reason. Maybe you want to create equity for our Native sisters and brothers. Or... Maybe you've read the Library Journal's April 2020 report that 34% of Hispanic students read below grade level, and 23% of African American students are also reading below grade level. Maybe that data is what compels you. Maybe that's your reason. Maybe you want inclusive education so all students have access to the resources required for success. Maybe it's more personal. Maybe your grandparents or even your parents were among the almost 12, oh, geez, not 1,200, 120,000 Japanese forced into internment camps in the 1940s. Maybe they told you stories about losing everything, and your reason is that you don't ever want that to happen again. Maybe you're just tired of the seemingly endless myriad of other racial injustices and atrocities that have become even more visible thanks to social media. I don't know your reason, but I do know that if you're listening to this podcast, you know that you have a reason to work for justice, peace, equity, and inclusion. Whatever your reason, be guided by it. And then exercise your right to do right and to make right and to create right. Let me repeat that. Exercise your right to do right to make right, and to create right. Having the right takes me back to Reverend Hammett's sermon. We are authorized. We're authorized simply by our citizenry. We are authorized by our shared humanity. It is our right to create positive change. The question for us is how will we exercise that right? What are we willing to do? Another one of Reverend Hammett's sermons was titled, Get to Work. I loved that one because it was so simple and so powerful. He said we needed to work in service of others, in service of our creator. He said that the pandemic is not an excuse not to serve. We just have to be creative in how we serve. The question for each of us is, how will we get to work to create inclusion? Having the reason and the right is not enough. The right is a muscle that we have to use and strengthen to create positive change. It begins by using our voices. We can't stand for justice and peace if we're unwilling to use our voices. I have a colleague who told me that she really wanted to do more to advocate for inclusion, but she was reluctant to speak up. She's a marketing consultant, and she said that she didn't want to offend any of her clients. 
My contention is this. If you say nothing, and if you do nothing, you've said a lot. I want to share an example of a tough decision to use my voice to challenge divisiveness. A client, who is also a very dear friend, a very dear friend, sent me an email that was politically charged and laden with the language of divisiveness. It was one of those things that gets circulated touting a commitment to democracy, but it was really fostering the creation of more walls between and among people. One line was about creating secure borders, and another about the police being the beacons of law and order, and another line was all about the conservative philosophy protecting the nation from evil. And of course, of course, there was the stuff about freedom, liberty, individual rights, and the American dream. On its face, all of that may sound okay, but it really wasn't. It failed to acknowledge the injustice and inequality inherent in that American dream. It ignored the fact that that American dream is very different, very, very different for the wealthy than it is for the poor. I felt compelled to reply, even though I knew, and I knew this, that I was putting a relationship at risk. I took the time to challenge the premises of that email. I explained how the experiences of poor people of immigrants, of women, of people of color, of the marginalized may not reflect the same American dream that that email was so proudly touting. It was really hard for me to formulate a reply that didn't sound argumentative, but I had to. It was important to me that I challenge those ideas and ideals that don't support equity and inclusion. Using our voices is seldom easy. In reality, it can rupture relationships. It can create discomfort. It can make us fearful of others, and it can make others defensive. And with all of that discomfort, we have a reason and a right to use our voices to move us along the path to inclusion. Exercising the right is more than speaking up. Though speaking up is it's important. You got to speak up. You have to be heard. That's an element. There's a big element of the internal work that's important before you can be taken seriously as you strengthen your ability to exercise your right to create inclusion. You're a lot more compelling addressing your reason and your right when you've been willing and able to challenge your own values and your behavior. You can't stand for justice and peace if you're afraid to confront the things within you that prevent them from emerging. What are your biases? What's your discomfort with difference? You can't stand for justice and peace if you don't question and challenge spoken and unspoken, overt and covert divisiveness that you may be a part of or that you may be bearing witness to. Thus far, we've covered the reason, which is really intimate, it's personal, it's dear to you, 
and it varies from person to person. We've covered the right. We are, as Reverend Hammett says, authorized to promote justice, equity, and inclusion. We exercise that right when we use our voices and when we invest time reflecting on ways in which we may need to recalibrate our own thoughts and our actions. Now, I want to go deeper. We have this very serious responsibility to do the hard work required to create what we as peace-loving people want. So what does that mean? What does that look like? It means that we take our commitment seriously. It's something we honor in thought, in word, and in deed. When we're responsible, we do not look around for others to blame. We know that that is wasted energy. We acknowledge and accept the fact that there are things we can change. And then we change them. We enlist the assistance of like-minded people and begin to intentionally, on purpose, create change. When we're responsible, we acknowledge the role that we play in our own lives, in our workplaces, in our families, our communities, and in our world. But there's more. We understand that it's not about see something, say something. It's about see something, do something. Responsible people take action, large or small, they take action. They know that we are authorized. When we're responsible, we get the fact that there are going to be consequences, both positive and negative. But as responsible people, we're willing to invest and possibly take a little heat. Responsible people have the courage of their convictions. They demonstrate their character. They don't have to talk about it because they're busy living it. Yes, yes, inherent in responsibility is courage. The courage to take a stand, to live boldly in alignment with our core values. The last element of responsibility is personal accountability. Yeah, when I'm assuming responsibility for advocacy for inclusion, I hold Joanne accountable. No one else has to hold me accountable because I have my own moral compass. I have my own standards. I have my own personal checklist. That means that I cannot and I will not pass the buck. I hold my own feet to the fire. It's time for me to wrap up this exploration of the reason, the right, and the responsibility that peace-loving people have in creating inclusion. We are, in the words of Reverend Hammett, authorized simply by our personal commitment and our convictions. We're duty-bound to identify our personal reasons for wanting a more just world, a more equitable world, a more inclusive world. Once we've grounded ourselves in those personal, compelling reasons, we can move to embracing our right to be change-makers, to be rebels for the good, to be positive pot-stirrers. 
I really believe that once we get the fact that we have the right to create something different, we can steal ourselves, stiffen our spines, and move forward. And that movement takes us to fulfilling our individual and collective responsibility. That means holding ourselves accountable for reaching the goals we set to move the needle on inclusion. That responsibility means that we let go of blame and replace it with belief. The belief that inclusion is possible, that the voices of hate, divisiveness, and so many other negative things can be drowned out by new choruses that connect people, all people. Leaning into our responsibility means we'll take a strong stand for our belief in justice, in peace, and in inclusion. My hope is that you will find your reason, that you'll embrace your right, and that you'll fulfill your responsibility to create inclusion. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope that you got tools that you'll actually use and share. Subscribe to get more relevant leadership learning. Check out my YouTube channel to stay prepared for leading in an ever-evolving world.